This is the Jay Che Show, brought to you by Karate Beyond. Discipline, focus, confidence. KarateBeyond.com. Let's begin. Jay Che Show, episode 73 or 4. <laughs> I keep messing up that. Anyway, uh, welcome to the show, Erica and Salsa John Ebanks. <laughs> Uh, am Thank I pronouncing your guys' last name properly? Yeah, yeah. Ebanks, that works. E-banks. Yep. Okay, so thank you guys for coming on. I'm going to raise the volume here on my end. Thank uh, you for having us. I yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you guys uh, caught my attention um, because one of the guys at Fabio's said that you guys were traveling uh, medical professionals or nurses, and I was like, traveling nurses i'm like I, I i didn't understand what that what that was and um and then fast forward to to now uh i think erica i followed your instagram feed and you had a photo of you at, in, a, in a hallway at a hospital with the full safety gear on and i was like whoa and you, you know i guess think you were like at, in chicago or colorado I can't yeah. remember where that photo exactly was taken. So it was like instantly, I was like, oh my goodness, this is, uh, this is uh, someone on the front lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, that's being at firsthand accounts of uh, the nastiness that this thing can do to people. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, were, well, we're traveling respiratory therapists. Um, right. And so, yeah, we've been in three different states over the last few months. So we've been, uh, it just swimming in all of this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. say the least. Um, so, yeah, it, it, we have been traveling for a couple of years now, um, all around the country, going to different hospitals. And then all of this coronavirus madness happened. And instead of being in one location for three, two, three months, six months at a time, we've just been getting hopped around from all. Okay. Now, I, I didn't write down a list of questions, so everything is uh-huh. kind of off, off the top of my head, I, I try not to, to write anything down for, for a show, but, cool. but there are some questions that I do want to ask you. Um, first of all, getting to that initial question that I asked Erica was, COVID-19, coronavirus, uh, was, was at, at first portrayed in the media and the information that were given was, was directed toward people that were elderly and that had pre-existing conditions. Right. And so people that are advanced in age, probably 65 plus, uh, were more susceptible to, to, to getting the coronavirus uh, and COVID-19. And I asked you, is that what you're seeing in the hospitals? And you said no, that you're seeing young people as well, people in their 30s. Um, right. And so it's not just relegated to elderly. Right. right. And we're still continuing to see that. Um... We've seen 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, elderly. And then one thing that we've noticed when we see, you know, you think of a pre-existing condition, you're thinking of, you know, heart disease, lung disease, immunocompromised, HIV, things like that. Like things that we think are severe, you know, that's what everyone's thinking. But in a lot of the patient's charts that I've looked in just to see, you know, I mean, they were my patients, so I've looked yeah, in yeah, their to see their medical history. And most of them had either one or all of the three following. They had hypertension, diabetes, 
or obesity, and some of them had no other medical history but those three things. And I mean, if you think about it, a lot of Americans have at least one of those. Yeah, it's so, like one in three Americans have a form of hypertension or a certain level of hypertension, from what I understand. Right. Yes. Me being one of them. Yeah. As a matter of fact, like, you know, I appear to be in relative good health, but I think uh, genetically predisposed to having higher levels of, of blood pressure. Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, uh, when I hear that, I'm like, so you got young guys that have a little hypertension that are <clears throat> ending up in, you know, on, on, on a respirator. I'm like, oh, freaks me yeah. out. I don't want to be one of those guys. Um, well, it's, uh, it's um, we really don't know is the, is the thing. You know, every single day something comes out, some new data comes out, some new rules come out. Um, there's always, some, every single shift, there's a new rule and there's a new discovery. And I kind of feel like everyone's just chasing their tail right now. You know, there isn't a lot of concrete information because everything's just so new, right? right. So, um, Changing by the hour, so to speak. Pretty much, you know, in, in every way, shape, or form. How we deal with it, how we deal with our PPE, how we deal with the patients. I mean, I've seen, I've been, we've been both respiratory therapists going on 12 years, just as, probably as long as my jiu-jitsu uh, time, right? <laughs> and um, I, we've never seen anything due to the body what this does, right? Mm -hmm. So with that being said, you don't know how to, how to treat it, how to, how to deal with it. Right. right. So that's kind of what makes it a little bit of a hairy situation. Right? Okay. Um, another question that I have for you guys is that this phases that states are, the phases that the, the states are starting to follow in opening back up. Okay. Uh, phase one being what we're seeing right now here in Florida, uh, not including gyms not including like, you know, like playground type parks, not definitely not schools, right? But restaurants being opened up with spacing six feet apart. Now these, now a lot of this could be your opinion, of course, and, 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 and we'd like to hear that. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, on being six feet apart as some sort of golden rule for uh, a countermeasure to, to getting the coronavirus or COVID-19? I think that there's a lot of misinformation out there um, about, you know, sometimes you get online and you'll see, you know, you're going to catch it from this, you're going to catch it, it's in the air, or it's going to, you know, you touch something, you're going to catch coronavirus, so on and so forth. And, um, you know, from what I, from what we see, it's a droplet which means, you know, just like any cold or flu, you touch it, you stick your hands in your mouth, or you stick your hands in your nose, and that's your higher risk level of being able to contract any type of sickness, right? Yeah. Um, coughing, sneezing, you know, if someone is sick, then you are now a lot more susceptible to catching that from somebody, okay? But like I said, everything changes every day, so to actually sit down and say that something is that 100% is, it would be irresponsible of me to say that, right? It seems like a shot in the dark. The whole six, little, feet, yeah. six feet separation rule. It's, it's, it's definitely a shot in the dark. Um, but my, and this is strictly opinions, obviously. Yeah, go ahead. Um, my, opinions, yeah. 
my opinion is, is that, you know, I think social distancing works. I just don't feel like enough people are committed towards that, that plan or committed yeah. towards that uh, whole full on, you know, let's all get together and have the same, same plan and same thought process to yeah. combat this. You got 50% going out and doing what they want. You got 25% staying at home. You got another percent doing this and that. So it, it doesn't seem to work unless everybody's on board. And let's face it, this is America. We have freedom. We can do what we want, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I think when you look at the studies in Sweden, you see that their death percentage is double America in a much smaller country, right? Um, you know, a population to, to deaths. Yeah. Um, but they're still living their lives. Their economy is still going. They're still, um, I kind of feel like part of that is irresponsible for me to say because that's a lot of people dying, right? But, okay, okay. Let's, let's back it up then. So, so Sweden, as many of us know, uh, did not adhere strictly to the way of uh, the United States and many other countries did so far as social distancing was concerned. That they kind of uh, did social distancing in terms of people that were more at risk, those people stay home. Everyone that are, that's not really at risk, uh, according to the parameters uh, that we stated before, they're able to lead relatively normal lives you know, with the caveat of having some social distancing norms uh, included in that, right. you know, uh, freedom of moving about. Correct? Yes, they did what's called herd immunity is pretty much okay. what, what they say. And, and like I said, I, I don't really know what I feel about that either, right? Because now your percentages of people having contact with this virus, um, the amount of deaths are a lot higher. Um, and then when you start dropping that, that same amount of percentage in an American population, which is so much greater. You're talking about millions of people being sick, potentially hundreds of thousands of people being in a hospital, which is going to overrun the healthcare system. Okay. Which ultimately you don't have enough nurses. You don't have enough respiratory therapists. You don't have enough doctors. And what a lot of people don't realize is that this is an ICU heavy issue. Okay? Most of the patients that we have are in the ICU. Um, right now in America, the, uh, the ERs are completely empty. Um, all of the urgent cares, urgent cares are empty. Yeah. Um, the surgical units are empty. Like no one, everyone's scared to go to the ER and everyone's scared to do surgeries because they don't want to have an infection rate, right? So all of this is ICU heavy. And what most people don't understand is that the majority of the medical field is not ICU trained. Yeah. So that takes your percentage of people that are able to actually treat and actually have the, the experience to deal with these patients to a lot less than what everybody actually believes. Not every doctor can go and work in an ICU. Not every nurse can go and work in an ICU. Not every respiratory therapist works in the ICU. Right. So you have this small percentage. You already have a huge um, issue when it comes to the amount of clinicians that are out there. Now you can cut that more than in half and now you have much less of a percentage that can actually deal with these patients in the ICU. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like I said before, it's a very hard situation because which way do you go? It's almost like a double-edged sword. So, okay, so you're, you're saying that hospitals 
are relatively empty. Not okay. That, that's maybe not, not the best way to put it, but uh, there's not many as many people in ERs and uh, urgent cares uh, across the nation. However, they're packed in the ICUs. Right, and you don't see a lot of like on the floors. You know, typically you have a lot of patients that are admitted for observation or cardiac issues or any other health thing that they need to be admitted for. We're not seeing that either. Mm-hmm. We're seeing. The ones that are admitted are usually um, rule out COVID because they want to watch them or positive and they're watching them because their symptoms are too severe to leave at home or they're in the ICU. And once they're in the ICU, they're either, they're pretty much on ventilators, the ones that are in the ICU from what we've experienced. So, yeah. Uh, Drug therapies. So uh, President Trump, of course, made headlines again. Uh, mm-hmm. Touting uh, uh, certain medication, I think it's hydrocortisone or mm-hmm. I can't. Hydroxychloroquine, yeah, okay. something like that. Uh, and and so there's that out, and then there's another one that begins with an R, rem. Remdesivir. Remdesivir. Okay. What are your guys' thoughts on those two therapies? And have you had to administer any uh, any of those, or are you guys strictly on ventilators and of the like? Well, you know our. Our role is ventilator management, okay? Okay. Um, I feel like I've seen a lot of irresponsibility when it comes to clinicians who are talking outside of their scope saying something works or something doesn't work, okay? okay? Um, You have a lot of people, a lot of nurses out there putting out uh, articles and putting out interviews on managing a ventilator. Nurses don't manage ventilators. Right. It's just like if I sat here and I started talking about hanging drips or um, running an ECMO machine, I'm not a nurse. That's outside of my field. Okay. Okay. Um, These medications are administered by ICU physicians, pulmonologists, the whole nine. Um, But once again, it goes back to just the unknown. You know, you hear that you are getting, you know, plasma administered. Um, You hear that uh, the different drugs are being administered. And in my opinion, I I, I don't see any change when it comes to, like, we've found a miracle drug or anything like that. You know, it just, it, it, I, I don't think that as respiratory therapists, you know, we have the responsibility to kind of say, this is what we've seen. But when it comes to the effects of these drugs, um, it's just not, not in our scope to sit there and say, yes, I actually do believe it works or it doesn't work. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's um, like I said, I think there's a lot of unknown. And I think that everybody is trying to grasp and hold on to a solution that we're just really unsure about right now. I will say that, you know, I have not seen it used a lot in the patients that I've dealt with. I've seen maybe um, three patients roughly Mm -hmm. in the last two hospitals that I've been at that have been treated with it, but it's not a standard of practice, um, the hydroxychloroquine or the remdesivir. They're not, I think that it's really more clinical trials right now. And it's really to the doctor's discretion from my understanding but I haven't been seeing it regularly at all. Walk, walk, us, walk us through, and of course, and this, is, this is based on your experience, walk us through a success story of a person 
being admitted to the ICU due to respiratory issues associated with COVID-19. Okay. There, would you, would you, there, is there an ideal timeline for you guys? Well, in, in well what we've seen with these patients, again, is it's, it's very unknown and it's patient specific. So okay. timeline wise, definitely not your typical timeline for a patient who's intubated and on life support. So we had a patient come in. Um, she was probably in her late 50s and she was full-blown respiratory distress. We had her intubated on life support. Um, they had to paralyze her to keep her body completely rested. Okay. Um, she was in what's called ARDS or um, adult respiratory distress syndrome, which is basically, it turns into multi-organ failure. So that's a very severe um, issue. We see that with a lot of patients with really bad, bad pneumonia. So these patients get viral pneumonia. So it's um, pretty severe. So she was um, on the ventilator. She was getting what's called ECMO, which actually um, takes your blood out of your heart and lungs and oxygenates it and puts it back in when your body's not, so it's not able to pump that itself. Right. The machine does it for it. Um, she was on something called nitric oxide, which is a um, pulmonary artery dilator. So it helps with pulmonary hypertension. Um, she was on everything, the whole nine, the works. Got we it. were proning her where you flip her, you know, turn her from her back to her stomach, which helps relieve pressures and oxygenate better. These are all like really serious, almost last, last ditch efforts. Okay. And that was probably like what, two weeks, mm -hmm. maybe more. And she actually was able to come off. She was able to go on regular oxygen after that and get sent out of the ICU. So she was a success story. Right. Um, there's not, we haven't had many of those, but she was one that it looked like she wasn't going to make it. And she she's did. on death door and, and, but she pulled through. Exactly. Right. exactly. It's just, it's just, this moves so fast is the problem. Like, you know, I have had patients where I've walked in and I'm having a conversation just like we are, yeah. and, you know, um, I think one of the biggest issues that a lot of these patients have is that they're sitting in their room with COVID getting max oxygen, still completely with it, knowing that they're circling the drain and they're sitting there watching the news, right? They're oh. sitting there watching the news about coronavirus and how horrible it is, you know? I actually had one patient, I walked up and I sat down, I looked at him and I said, you need to change the channel. You need to stop watching the news, yeah. you know? He's like, I know, I'm just, I'm bored. And, and, and you know, he's freaking out and I'm bored and, and, and I, and I want to see what's going on. I'm like, this is not helping you. You know, um, long story short, the next day he was on a ventilator on his stomach, full on unrecognizable. Okay. Um, so it just in one, in a 24 hour period, it can go from talking to somebody to, you know, them being completely on full blown life support and ultimately circling the drain until they're you know, no longer. You know, That's scary. So That's so scary. It, yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely been, you know, we've definitely seen some pretty dark shit over the last yeah. few months. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, we just, you know, we just hope that, you know, we went from a, a life of, you know, 
traveling from state to state, you know, as you know, we both are heavily into jujitsu. Yeah. So training in different schools throughout the country and competing as much as we can and working our normal shifts. You know, we've been doing this for a long time. So, you know, we, we've dealt, you know, there is no other profession in the medical field. And I will say this confidently that sees more death than respiratory therapists. We are called for every single emergency that happens in the hospital. I have to be at the head. We do intubations. We do what's called um, terminal extubation. So once the family feels like the patient um, no longer has anything left, we're the ones who takes them off life support and pretty much washes them to the end of their oh, time. Oh, God. So, <laughs> so, oh. so, you know, I have seen and dealt with death for many, many, many years, right? But I can tell you that, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but this has definitely been another level. Um, when we were in Colorado, you know, between Eric and I, we were dealing with what, 10 to 15 COVID critical patients each, yeah, each, all simultaneously trying to die at the same time, yeah. right? Um, so as you can tell, I mean, I've seen nurses break down. I've seen respiratory therapists have issues. Um, so it's definitely, you know, we, I'm happy we have each other too, because we can just kind of be in the car and be like, that was that? messed up, <laughs> you know? That was, and I know it's, I'm not, I know I'm laughing. It's not, but yeah, it's kind of yeah. like, no, 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 yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like, you know, we'll be driving home after and be like, that was fucked up, man. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, or like, like literally I've had situations where I'm working with a patient. I look over and Eric is at the window like, Hey, you know, your lady next door is like about to go. Like, you want me to check them out? And I'm like, please, you know, and she's right. helping me. So it's, yeah. It's really good to have each other um, to kind of back each other up. But anyways, long story short is that um, we deal with death a lot. That's kind of, that is part of our job. But um, this whole COVID situation has been a whole another level. Yeah. Really. The volume um, of them. Would you, would you say there are not enough of you guys out there right now? Yes. Absolutely. It's unbelievable. I mean... Is there, yeah. a, is there a fast track training process for for people that 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 want to, uh, you know, be on the front lines, helping helping out in this manner? Well, the problem is is for respiratory therapy, it's um, at least a two year program, and to be properly trained to manage these ventilators, it's not just turning buttons, it's not just you know writing down numbers. You actually have to know what the numbers mean and what these numbers are. It's how much oxygen the patients are getting, how much air is being put into their lungs, what pressures their lungs are at. They have to be within normal ranges. Um, these patients, I told you before, they're going into what's called ARDS. The pressures in their lungs are super high. So in order to oxygenate that, you have to accommodate that. And the way you do that is by looking at the screen, by drawing blood, going off the blood results. So there's a lot to it that you can't just crash course and learn. And, and they chase like that they do so you have to monitor them it's not like a a quick a quick thing and you set it and you leave it no they're in each patient's different so you have to be on top of them um there are there they did release some instructional videos on how to manage ventilators because i believe they were feeling like they were going to have to because how many rts did you say there are 
there's a in the in the whole entire country there's 155,000 respiratory therapists for the whole country now you got to think these majority of these people have full-time jobs in their hospitals right and now the ICU is like just blown up with uh, an amount of patients that need ventilation strictly ventilation um, like no one's ever seen before so now you have a respiratory therapist see a nurse will get there when they're busy and they'll manage one two maybe three most of the time max patients per nurse there were times in colorado we each had 15 patients on ventilators which is crazy so um that's a whole nother level i mean that is 15 so if you think about let's just say each one of the nurses have three patients that's five nurses behind you constantly trying to pull you to go help their patients so it's uh, there are not enough respiratory therapists right now. There's not. There really is. And that's why the demand is so high. I mean, that's why we're traveling right now because we're needed, you know, and that's why we've been in three different states in the past three months. Um, we're in Boston. Boston. We're in Boston. Mm-hmm. We're in Boston. We're actually working at the first covid hospital in the nation when i say first covid hospital it is strictly covid patients yeah they only accept patients with covid the entire hospital how big is, <laughs> sorry how big is the hospital it's, it's 160 beds yeah. i believe wow yeah. um but it's like a revolving door you know like yeah. um you know we'll have one and then they they leave and then you have another one back behind them you know so it's uh it's full yeah it's full and they're actually having to ship patients out of there because they don't have the room you know okay uh have you guys had kids no i mean mean, that you've treated uh no we 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 do not do kids eric and i that's uh pete nick you that is a whole nother just like i was saying there's people who are trained for icu there are respiratory therapists that are trained specifically for neonates and pediatrics and, and kids, so on and so forth. Um, it's just not an area I've ever been interested in working in. Uh, but on the rare side, correct, that, that kids are getting COVID to the severity that some adults, I mean, pretty rare, would you say? I from don't. What I've heard, from what I've heard, it's, it is know. rare. Um, I talked to another respiratory therapist that's a traveler there with us, and she came from the children's hospital. And she said they had it, but it, that's why she's traveling because the need there wasn't as great. So she moved on. Yeah, it's not like the adult population. No. The adult population is really what's getting um, hit hard from what we understand. But I don't, I don't really know the kid side of it. Got it. Uh, okay. So getting back to like businesses that, and, and people that, that are trying to uh, have a sense of normalcy again, uh, what are your thoughts on gyms? What are your thoughts on, you know, hey, rolling again? I, what, are, what are your thoughts on, on that? Uh, I mean, you know, I, what you've experienced and what you're seeing. I think that we can't be shut down forever. Right. We have to have some type of normality again in our lives, right? Um, just like everyone's just going to have to take personal responsibility of their own safety and the precautions that need to be taken to stay safe. 
the one thing that I have told a lot of my friends or people who have asked me that is, um, you know, gee, you just, and it's going to sound scary, but you just have to be prepared that, you know, if you, you know, you see that you feel like you want to go out there and not protect yourself, it might affect you. Maybe not personally, but your mom, your grandma, your aunt, your uncle, someone who is close to you, who you love, you might have to see die a horrible death. Right. Um, so as much as like I said, it's a double-edged sword. I, I really don't know what my opinion is. I uh, part of me says, let everybody work, let everybody do what they need to do. And then well, after I get home from work, part of me says, leave everybody inside. <laughs> Nobody go right. outside. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of, it's, it's a very hard question. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I don't really know what my answer on it is, but what I can, the conclusion I've come to is that there needs to be a list of things to let the general public know how to stay safe. Um, the truth, not, hearsay of this person, hearsay of that person, right. and this medicine works, or that doesn't work, or, you know, I've, I've heard, I've watched and heard some ridiculous stuff of people who haven't even been in an ICU, and they're talking about ICU work, yeah. and it right. just blows my mind, right? Yeah. Um, so, I, I just, I think that all that needs to be tapered down to, this is what we need to do as a population to stay safe, safe and you know live at your own risk you know? and i don't know if that's the answer but it's almost like a damned if you do damned if you don't like we can't people need to work people are getting anxious people but we can't shut down an entire economy but also we have people's lives at risk too right. so it's almost like a wait and see okay um, and it's very real it's very real i i it it, it does not many things bother me but it does bother me when i sit down and especially in in, in like in the jiu-jitsu community let's say or in other communities people talk about it being a hoax and yeah. so on and so forth like this is not a hoax you know this is very very real um i if if, if a lot of these people can can live through my eyes over the last couple months it's it's shit that's that nightmares and scary movies are made out of. You I know what I mean? I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. I don't want it. So, I don't want it. Yeah. so it's just that type of stuff is a little bit, I don't want to say disheartening because I don't let things really affect me that way, but it kind of makes me just sit back and be like, guys, I, but on the other, on the other hand, out of sight, out of mind, I can't be upset at ignorance. It, it's harder to get into an ICU right now than it is to get into a governmental yeah. No one's allowed in there. No one's allowed to really see what's going on. Every once in a while, you'll see a newscaster go in and, and barely touch the surface of an ICU, but they don't really see it. So is it really, is it really our fault as, as people that don't really know? And, uh, you know, already Americans have the underlying don't trust the government, don't trust anybody type of mentality, right? So I can't say that I wouldn't have that same type of feelings if I wasn't dealing with it firsthand. Um, but, it, you know, if anybody does watch it, it is real. It's definitely not a hoax. And, you know, like he said, out of sight, out of mind, a lot of times, you know, if you drive by one of these crazy busy hospitals, it looks like there's nothing happening. There's no cars in the parking lot. There's not a bunch of ambulances rushing in and out because, like he said, it's an ICU thing. You walk into the hospital, you walk into the ER, it's empty. You get into that ICU and it's crazy. 
So it's, it's definitely people aren't seeing it. They're not seeing the effects of it, especially in some of the smaller towns. So they're, they're getting anxious, you know, it's not affecting us. Why, why can't we get out? And I get that too. Totally understand that. But, you know, I think that if we hadn't have done what we did as far as, you know, the lockdown, it definitely would be, people would be seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, I think social distancing definitely, definitely worked. Yeah. Um, You're just getting people away from each other. Right. Simple as that, right? But there's so much, there's so much positives. I mean, so much positives, like, you know, Eric and I will go for a run a little later on. I've never seen so many people exercising. Um, yeah. So many people um, yeah. the, the fact that the high, let's face it, you know, like the majority of humans don't really pay attention to their hygiene as much as they should. Washing their hands, yeah. um, kind of just being aware of things around them, picking stuff off the table and eating them. And, and you know, all of that's going away. I think people are having a just being enlightened of how to be cleaner, how to use hygiene properly. Um, and, and, and the fact that so many people get to spend time with their families and, you know, you go out there and like I said, I, I go for runs all the time. I'll be honest. I've never seen that many people out. I've never seen so many people riding their bikes. I've never seen so many dads who are working six, seven days a week, you know, with their children, hanging out, having the time to do things that in our busy society, in our busy time, in our busy life, you know, we have, as, as humans, as Americans, we have so much on our plate that a lot of the times we kind of set aside the things that maybe are important. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a double-edged sword on that one. Uh, the, the amount of time that you're spending inside with your family, and I, and I remarked this to, uh, to many of my friends already, that, that you're getting to see who you really are inside your family. And your family. Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, you guys don't have kids, uh, yeah, right. or, or uh, but uh, I mean, you get to spend a lot of time <laughs> get to see you for exactly who you are. There's no hiding behind the work, you know, a, uh, a forty-hour work week. Right. <laughs> it's funny because we talked about that. We were always like, uh, you're very interested in how that dynamic is because you know we don't have kids, we don't have animals, we don't have nothing. You know, I've even heard animals are are acting different with people being at home all the time oh, yeah. you know? I, our dog is like hey you're still here like what's going on <laughs> come here, come here <laughs> yeah but you have to go somewhere can you like give me some time by myself <laughs> still doing it. i don't get it great. yeah uh, yeah um okay uh you guys have any final thoughts final thoughts on on uh oh you know what I, there is something that i want to ask you um antibody test Mm-hmm. Antibody tests. Uh, that's about to roll out, or it has already rolled out here uh, in Florida. Um, and I guess uh, the drug company Roche, R O C H uh, E, they're about to uh, come out with an even more uh, intense and more accurate, detailed version of, of the anti- antibody tests. Uh, your guys' thoughts on that? I mean, uh, we've heard for a while that uh, whether this is true or not, that you could have the coronavirus or COVID-19 and then get it again after it escapes your system, after it leaves your system. But then I'm hearing now that that's, that's false. If you've developed uh, antibodies to it, maybe you've, you've, you've been hit with it before and not know it, that you're going to be okay out there, mm-hmm. if you will. But it doesn't yeah. make you, you know, not susceptible to passing it along to other people, of course. But what are your thoughts on, on the antibodies test? Well, I mean, I've heard the same thing, like you said, and, and it, it's new. 
So again, it's going to be one of those wait and sees. I definitely want to get it done because I want to know, like, I mean, I've had really good PPE, thank goodness, in all the hospitals that I've been in. So I've had my mask, my gowns, my gloves, face shield, everything. Um, I haven't been sick, but I do want to know, have I been exposed? You know, do I have the antibodies? I feel like I probably do, you know, but um, we're just going to have to see, you know, how it works. Because like you said, some people have reported getting it again. You know, is it is it mutating like the flu can do, you know, are we having different strains? You see, I'm, no. I'm opposite. I, let me ask you, you know, have you gotten an antibody test to see if you ever had a cold? Have you had an antibody test to see when was the last time you had a flu? I think that this is ultimately everybody's going to have it. Right. Okay? Um, everybody. There's no escaping the corona. It's just my opinion. You know, yeah. I know that. You've asked a lot of questions and we haven't had definitive answers just because I just don't feel like there are definitive answers. And I think that it was just our, our society is full of irresponsible people that are going out there and putting opinions and putting uh, uh, information out there that they just really don't know. Okay. And I just refuse to be that person. Right. <laughs> so, sure, sure. but, um, yeah. but, um, but, you, there's no escaping the coronavirus. It, it, it's like a you've had a common cold. I've had a common cold. You've had the flu. I've had the flu before. We've all had it. The problem that we're dealing with is that we know how to treat the flu. We know how to treat the cold, right? Coronavirus is just a learning, a learning journey of how exactly to treat this and how what exactly works against it, right? I understand getting antibody tests so that we can figure out where, where the clusters of people are or what area is most affected and so on and so forth. And I get that. But if, is it, do I, in my opinion, believe that someone needs to just flock out and just get it done? And I, I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that's necessary for the simple fact that you're going to get God eventually. It's just a, whether we're at the point where we know how to treat it and know how to deal with it. And also, how your body is affected by it, how your body uh, reacts to it. I really have a, I really believe that this particular virus um, holds on to something in specific people. I don't know what it is, right? Um, but there's a commonality in the patients. And once I think we pinpoint what that commonality is, that actually makes them critical, makes them very sick. Yeah. I think it'll be a game changer of, of figuring out how to deal with it. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, for me, the antibody test is a matter of confidence. Mm-hmm. And let's say, you know, hey, uh, Florida rolls into phase two and gyms are allowed to be open again. And, uh, you know, I'd like to know if I had it and I developed some, my body's developed something to combat it. And, I, and my yeah. body's successful in, in fighting back. Versus ending up in the hospital uh, and the ICU. Well, well, from from what I've been reading, the best thing to do, we live in a very, very, very unhealthy society. Every, you know, the majority of people do not think about eating vegetables, um, working out at least a half an hour a day, um, not just eating on impulse, all the fried food and all that. That's how instead of an antibody test you can assure not assure for 100 percent, but make sure that you have your armor against any sickness well right? 
we need to change the way we're living. Uh, already touched on the hygiene, and we need to change the way our, our, our health, the way that we think about food, the way that we think about, I read a study that said, um, ARDS, which Erica talked about, um, adult respiratory distress syndrome, one of the best way to prevent having ARDS is a, medi a medium paced, a medium um, sized amount of working out 30 minutes a day of not too extreme, right. but obviously not just crawling, right? Yeah. Getting your blood flow, getting your lungs working, we don't we're doing that now more because we've got nothing else to do but sit at home and shoot let me go for a run but that needs to continue to happen in our society and i think that's the best way just like i said in my opinion the best way to kind of continue to move towards the right direction that if you do end up getting coronavirus the flu anything you have the shield you have the strong body to fight against it you know, i'm in the hospital full of coronavirus and I don't worry. I don't even think about it. I don't worry about it. I mean, I eat, I eat clean. I train every day. I, you know, I don't know what the future holds, but I, I don't even think about me. And I hate to say it this way, but being a weak human, we need to work on being strong. You know, that's what I, that's what I think about it. Uh, let, let me, uh, I'm going to ask the question that I normally ask in, in my podcast, uh, to all my guests and you guys can answer this question any which way you'd like. Uh, Eric, I'll start off with you. Uh, what do you want? Well, you mean from the, in the whole situation? Of the Anything. Anything. Okay. It could be completely personal. It could be completely material. It could be, I mean, the heroic answer. Of course, everyone's got a heroic answer. Uh, it could be the situation. It's, you can give multiple answers. What do you want? I mean, if I could go out and just choose what I wanted for my life in the world. I would want health for, for people, for myself, um, happiness all around, um, mental and emotional peace for myself, for people, um, joy, love, you know, all the positive things. Sure. Um, I would get rid of the one thing I feel would be, you know, really beneficial to our world. If I could choose one thing to get rid of, I would get rid of um, abuse to children, to people, um, because that's just such a domino effect on people's lives. So I would want to see that gone. Personal. I know that's kind of totally off topic, but no, 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 there's no wrong answer to this. And, and, and it's a completely personal statement. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you. Uh, John. Well, I'm not going to do the, uh, Miss America. I want stuff gone. <laughs> the heroic answer. That's what we call the heroic answer. Everyone's got one. And you can go completely. I'm just messing with that. I'm just messing with that. I just want to go back to jujitsu and roll, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I've been rolling in like two months. It's driving me crazy. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I'm talking about I went from going to school badass schools in Colorado and, and right. training in Arizona and training all around, you know, from East coast to West coast. And I'm, I'm feeling like I was on a good roll and ready yeah. for 2020 competition season. And then the coronavirus comes and I haven't seen a mat. And like, I don't even know how long. 
other than that, yeah, I, I definitely agree with Erica. Um, I, I, I want to see um, the energy in our world to get normalized again. Everything is just so heavy. It's a very heavy, negative, worried vibe and energy. Um, and I would just like to see that kind of chill out a little bit because I think it's affecting us as the people in, in ways that we can't imagine. So. Very nice. Well put. Um, okay. Uh, in closing, all right, uh, I don't want anyone to go off and try to stalk you guys down or anything. So I won't say, you know, how to reach you guys. Um, uh, if you want, of course. Uh, now, uh, is there anything you guys need, like uh, equipment, uh, something? Is there anything you guys need in particular, material-wise? We have yeah. everything we need. We feel very fortunate with that. Yeah. We've got great masks. We've got face shields. We've got our own masks. Um, mm -hmm. We're good. Yeah, we uh, like uh, we had an interview recently. Um, Tampa 10 did an interview on us and they asked us about um, the the things that we need kind of the same way and you know we've had like free meals everywhere and we've had um, like uh, just hotel, hotel stays. stays I mean the, the Hilton has given us free hotels during this whole journey you know I mean from from Florida all the way to Boston and everything. I mean, they've been giving us free nights for frontline workers, yeah. you know. Um, People are bringing food into the hospital for all the employees all the time. Yeah. And, all the time. and you know, I got to say, you know, something like I have Erica. Erica has me. We have each other. Like, you know, her support. I, I couldn't imagine being a frontline worker and not having a partner to talk to and understand what I'm going through. Yeah. So I think one of the yeah. biggest blessings that we have is each other, really. Yeah. You know, during all this, is we kind of understand because we're both in it together. You know, we're fighting it together. So awesome. Um, I appreciate that too. Well, uh, when you guys get back into town, uh, hit me up uh, if you'd be so kind, and we can do a normal podcast and not be centered around COVID. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thank you guys for coming on. I appreciate it. I'm gonna put uh, click the uh, off button here. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the JJ Show. Brought to you by Karate Beyond. Discipline, focus, confidence. KarateBeyond.com. Martial arts classes for men, women, and children. After school pickup, evening classes, and summer camp. Visit KarateBeyond.com.